Hello and welcome to Live Full. My name is Joey Schwartz and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus experience the fullness of Jesus. In this episode, we're continuing to put charismatic depth to practice. I'm going to walk through the second practice for pursuing biblical depth and spiritual power. That's where we're going. Let's get started. We have a lot to cover in this episode, but really quick, I want to thank you who have shared the podcast on social media, rated it, and especially those of you who have left a review. If you've been encouraged by Live Full, the best gift you can give to us is to let others know about the show through one of those channels. It would mean the world to us. And I'd also love to hear from you. If you have questions for the podcast or just some testimonies of what God is doing in and through you after taking in this content and seeking the spirit, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can email joey at caradox.com or you can use the contact form at caradox.com slash contact. All right, we're continuing to walk through practices for charismatic depth. To recap, what is charismatic depth? We said that charismatic depth is the diligent pursuit of God's word and the earnest desire of God's power. Charismatic depth is the biblically rooted conviction that you don't have to choose between word-centered Christianity and spirit-filled Christianity. The two go hand in hand. The Spirit's power creating a craving for God's Word, and God's Word commanding a craving for the Spirit's power. And that's where we went in episode number 10 as we walked through the first practice, Dig. If you haven't listened to that, go back to episode number 10. Dig into the scriptures every day. That's what we talked about. Read God's word. Meditate on God's word. Memorize God's word. Get your daily sustenance from the scriptures and obsessively consume the word. Just like a baby is obsessed with getting milk. And if that sounds like a weird analogy... It's pulled straight from a metaphor in 1 Peter 2. We need to be like crying babies after the word of God. It is dangerous to dive deep into spiritual experience while remaining at the shallows of scripture. But on the other hand, the deeper we dive into the Spirit's book, the more we will desire the Spirit's power. Why? Because a diligent study of the word will show us that God wants us to earnestly desire his power. And that's the topic of this episode, our second practice for charismatic depth, desire. If anyone needed to be restrained in their hunger for the spiritual gifts, it would have been the Corinthians. Paul's first letter to this church shows that these charismatic Christians were in a precarious position. The church was full of spiritual gifts, but they were also full of sexual immorality. They loved to speak in tongues, but they also loved to argue. And instead of building up one another with their gifts, they were boasting over one another because of their gifts. With all this chaos, you'd expect Paul to wave the caution flag and say, stop seeking the gifts. Enough is enough. But he doesn't. Paul doesn't say enough is enough. He actually says desire more. Listen to what he writes to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. 
pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.39 So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Paul doesn't tell the charismatic Corinthians, be careful of asking too much of God, or, hey guys, settle down with your talk of spiritual gifts. No, he tells a church who is already running hard after the spiritual gifts to earnestly desire them, and then he repeats himself twice in case they missed it. You see, God does not pull back the reins on those who long for spiritual gifts. He reminds us of the purpose of the gifts, to love one another, And then he pours fuel on the flame of our desire. God desires for you to desire his gifts. What does it mean to desire the higher gifts? Well, the translated word desire doesn't really capture the intensity of Paul's language, even if we add the word earnestly. See, I really desire to learn how to play the piano. We've had a keyboard in our home for the last year that was handed down to me from my grandmother. And every time I walk by it, I love the thought of being able to sit down and crank out some Beethoven with ease. But in practice, I have never done anything with my desire. And so as I'm speaking to you now, my repertoire pretty much consists of hot cross buns and that's it. A desire devoid of action is not the desire Paul is talking about. The Greek word that we translate earnestly desire in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is zelao, which is closely related to our English word zeal. It can be translated burn with zeal or even covet. It is a consuming desire that cannot be contained. So let's be clear. God is not telling us to be open to the gifts. He is not telling us to be interested in the gifts. He's telling us to burn with zeal for the gifts, to covet them, to desire them with such fervor that we have to do something about it. So what about you? Do you want the gifts with a zealous, a zelao kind of desire? Or are you walking by the piano, so to speak? You're interested by the thought of the Spirit's power, but not caring enough to actually ask Him for it. My prayer for you right now is that no matter where you're coming from, you will start zealously desiring the gifts. But here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you'd honestly say that you don't desire the gifts, whether it's because of skepticism or suspicion or fear or some bad experiences in the past, your heart is probably not all that moved when I read 1 Corinthians and say to earnestly desire the gifts. It reminds me of when I was seven years old and I always refused to take even a bite of broccoli on my plate. Now, even then, deep down, when I was seven, I knew that my parents were older and wiser and probably had a better understanding of life and nutrition than I did as a first grader. And yes, I heard them tell me several times over that broccoli was good and I should want it. But you know what? I didn't take a bite because I had not been convinced deep down in my soul that broccoli was good and I wasn't motivated enough to try it out. Here's my point. 
You can believe in God's word and trust his wisdom and hear him tell you all day long that the spiritual gifts are good and you should want them. But if you have not been convinced deep down that they are good and sweet and wonderful, and if you're not motivated to taste and experience its power, then you'll do exactly what I did to that plate of broccoli. You'll simply take a pass. So before we even start talking about how to want the gifts, we have to take a step back and talk about why you should even want to want the gifts. So in this episode, I'm going to lay out three reasons why you should zealously desire the higher gifts. And if you're listening to this and thinking, I'm already sold, I want the spiritual gifts, just tell me how to desire them. Hang tight in part two coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm going to give some concrete action steps around how to desire the gifts. Let's dive in. why you should earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. First, desire the gifts of the Spirit because they show that God is God. Desire the gifts because they show that God is God. This is one of the reasons that Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 to desire prophecy. He says, imagine that every single person in the church is walking in the gift of prophecy. As soon as an unbeliever or outsider enters the church, his heart will be exposed, he will be convicted, and he will fall flat on his face and say, God really is here. That's verses 24 through 25. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want it to be impossible for unbelievers to join our worship, take their seat, and leave without transformation. What if our worship so revealed the wonders of God that it would make unbelievers fall flat on their face and join our praise. When the higher gifts work through his people, God brings heaven to earth and declares, I am God and there is no other. This isn't new, by the way. God has always demonstrated his divine power by working wonders among his people. He glorified his name over Pharaoh's magicians by sending the plagues, Exodus 14.4. He glorified his name over Jericho by tearing down the wall, Joshua 6.16. He glorified his name over the prophets of Baal by sending fire from heaven, 1 Kings 18.39. He glorified his name over death by raising Christ from the dead, Romans 6.9. He glorified his name over the Roman Empire by pouring out signs and wonders with the preaching of the gospel, Acts 4.30. This is what God has always done. He hasn't changed. The only difference between his wonders in Joshua's day and in ours is that he actually promises more. Joel 2 says that in these last days, the era we're in now, God promises to pour out his spirit on and work wonders through all flesh, not just through select individuals. He wants the whole bride of Christ to glorify his name through spirit-filled works that are impossible with man, possible with God. 
But some of us have a hard time really believing this. Often, those who were raised in a tradition that emphasized God's glory in the preaching of the Word have a hard time believing that God is glorified through the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Because of my love for the preaching of the Word, I myself experienced this when God started renewing me in the gifts of the Spirit. I had a subtle discomfort in my soul that somehow I was cheating on God's Word because I was exploring the gifts of the Spirit. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. I felt a little bit like I was going rogue from the safety net of Scripture into the wild west of the charismatics. Now, if this is where you're at, maybe even as you're listening to this episode, you're thinking, this is a weird diversion from the Word. Let me tell you what helped me break through that lie that was running through my head. I stopped paying attention to the unbiblical dichotomy that I had created between the Word and the Spirit, and I started receiving what the Word actually said about who God is and how He works among us. And once I started looking at the scriptures with fresh eyes, I saw that I wasn't cheating on the scriptures by seeking the gifts of the Spirit. I was fulfilling the scriptures by God's grace by seeking the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible shows a church that speaks in tongues and is devoted to the apostles' teaching. A church that asks God for boldness to speak the word and signs and wonders to confirm the word. A church that prophesied and preached, heralded and healed. And while this church may rub up hard against our 21st century rationalistic worldview, I want to challenge you not to conform the word to your view of God, but instead to conform your view of God to the word. The God of the Bible is a God who wants to be glorified through his signs and wonders working through his people. And this is why you should want the spiritual gifts. God wants to get glory from his undeniable power working through you. So let me ask you this. Does your life require a supernatural explanation? If someone were to watch a long, long movie containing footage of your whole life, would they be forced to fall on their face and declare that Jesus is Lord? If the answer is no, there's no guilt or shame here. There's only a feast of God's gifts of grace laid out before you, prepaid by the blood of Christ. I'm simply inviting you to want the banquet that God has already prepared for you. That's the first reason. Desire the gifts because they show that God is God. Now the second reason. Desire the gifts because they grow others into godliness. They grow others into godliness. To risk stating the obvious, spiritual gifts are gifts. And again, stating the obvious, they are gifts from God. But pause and think about what this means. Prophecy and tongues and words of knowledge did not arise from a freak accident in the spiritual realm, like a glitch in the matrix against God's better judgment. No, spiritual gifts were God's idea. He decided to give them to his people, and God never gives a cheap throwaway gift. His gifts are invaluable, and they have a purpose. So if the spiritual gifts are not just the byproduct of a charismatic frenzy, but the deliberate gifts of a good God, what is the purpose of the gifts? Well, thankfully, Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7, through 
Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are not just for you. They're for the common good. And this is why Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, that in our use of the gifts, we should strive to excel in building up the church. What does this mean for you? To the degree that you are stewarding your gift and seeking the higher gifts, you are doing good for the church. And to the degree that you are neglecting your gift and disdaining the higher gifts, you are depriving good from the church. Let me say that again because I think it's so important. To the degree that you're stewarding your gift and seeking the higher gifts, you are doing good for the church. But to the degree that you're neglecting your gift and disdaining the higher gifts, you're depriving good from the church. So if glorifying God and enjoying His presence is not enough motivation for you to desire the higher gifts, Desire them anyway because of the exponential good that you could do for the church. Even if you don't feel like you need them, ask for them anyway because the church needs them. And maybe you're thinking, why do I need the higher gifts to build up the church? I can build up the church in other ways. And it is true that you can and should build up the church in plenty of ways outside of the higher gifts. But the fact of the matter is that Paul connects love for the church with a desire for the gifts. He says that if we want to excel in building up the body, we should desire the higher gifts and especially the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.1, he says, Pursue love, meaning with all your might, seek to build up, edify, and encourage your brothers and sisters so that they grow up into the image of Christ. And then he goes on, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. In other words, if you really want your life to count for others knowing and growing in Christ, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So just imagine for a moment what kind of kingdom impact could come through your life if you were walking in these gifts. What kind of comfort could you provide your suffering sister if you gave her a promise from scripture and a prophetic word from the Father that discloses the secret of her heart and shows the loving and caring presence of her Father here and now? What kind of power would move through your prayers if you interceded, not just with your own words, but with the words that were given to you from God in a language crafted by God? Remember, God, the one who holds these gifts in his hands, is the one who is telling you to desire them. So why would you settle for anything less than what he wants for you? That's the second reason. Desire the gifts because they grow others into godliness. Now the third, desire the gifts because they give you more of God. Thanks to Amazon, most of the gifts we receive today are dropped off on our doorstep without any human contact. So when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it's easy to believe that in the same way, God drops off the gifts of teaching and prophecy and tongues and then goes on his merry way. But God cannot leave spiritual gifts at the doorstep. Why? Because the gifts of God are inextricably linked to the presence of God. 
Where am I getting this from? So in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, which, by the way, I keep coming back to this passage again and again because it is the most in-depth passage on the gifts. So if you have not read through that whole section, pause the podcast, go do that and come back. But in two instances in this section, Paul uses the phrase, the manifestation of the Spirit as a synonym for the gifts of the Spirit. Let me read both verses so that you see it. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. In both cases, Paul is referring to spiritual gifts. In Paul's mind, Every spiritual gift is nothing less than a manifestation of the Spirit's presence in us. We are able to teach because the Spirit in us is empowering us to exposit God's Word with boldness, accuracy, and power. We are able to prophesy because the Spirit in us knows the thoughts of God, 1 Corinthians 2.11, and imparts to us secret revelation from Him. We are able to speak in tongues because the Spirit in us utters mysteries to the Father, 1 Corinthians 14.2. We are able to serve because the Spirit in us empowers us to lay down our lives so that Christ may be glorified, 1 Peter 4.10-11. And when the Spirit comes to grant us these abilities, guess what happens? He simultaneously assures us of God's presence and refreshes us with God's love. Just like Romans 5, 5 says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This means that the more we desire and receive the higher gifts, the more we get God. Now listen, when I say more of God, I do not mean more of God positionally in terms of our stance before him and our relationship with him. God's eternal love as our perfect father has been secured through the finished work of Christ now and forever. When I say more of God, I mean more of God experientially. As we live in the Spirit's presence and long for the Spirit's gifts, we are filled with a deeper and sweeter experience of his eternal love right here and now. And I have to say that while this experience is clear in the scriptures, I'm also speaking from my experience of the gifts. After a couple of years into a personal renewal in the gifts of the Spirit, which I recount in depth in episodes 7 and 8, I sit here now and tell you that I've never loved Jesus Christ more than I do right now. I've never had more pleasure in His presence than I do right now. I've never had a more enduring foretaste of His eternal love than I do right now. And it's not because I've been extra pious. This renewal is directly tied to a refreshment of gifts in the Spirit, which, yes, have been given to build up the body, but also have come with the manifestation of the Spirit, who has built up and warmed and satisfied my heart. Don't you want more of God? Yes, you have the Father's love right now. He hasn't gone anywhere. But don't you want the Father to pick you up in His arms? Don't you want a deeper assurance that He's with you? Don't you want to know that you know that you know that God loves you in the deepest places of your heart that only the Spirit can reach? And if you do, then earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit.
Because as God fills you with power to encourage others, he'll fill your heart with his love to encourage you. And behind that gift, you'll see the giver. You'll see that the gifts of the Spirit are not the creation of 21st century charismatics. They are hand-wrapped divine presence from Jesus himself, the Savior who gave his life for you so that you could have his life in you. Why should you want to want the gifts? Because Jesus wants you to. And if he was trustworthy with your eternal salvation, can't you trust him to take the next step in the Spirit? Desire the gifts because they show that God is God. Desire the gifts because they grow others in godliness. Desire the gifts because they give you more of God. Earnestly desire the gifts. give you a few questions specifically to discuss this content with a group. So if you're listening to this episode alone, share it with a few friends, ask them to go on a walk or meet you out for coffee, or even better to gather for prayer just to talk it out. And remember in part two, we're going to talk about how to desire the gifts. So this discussion is purely around why to desire the gifts. All right. Question number one, would you describe your current posture toward the spiritual gifts as open but cautious, interested but unsure, or desiring and walking? I'll go through those again. Open but cautious. Maybe you're open to God doing that if he wants, but really you fear what would happen if God really introduced these gifts into your life or into your church. Or maybe you're interested but unsure. You really long for God to do this in your life, but you just don't know how to take steps in the direction of walking in the gifts. Or maybe you are desiring and walking. You surely haven't arrived, but you really are earnestly desiring the gifts and you're starting to see the fruit of that desire. I want you to identify where you're at on that spectrum and then answer what experiences have brought you to this place. I think tracing your history, maybe it's your church upbringing or your study of the scriptures and seeing why is it that you are where you are, will help you be able to see with clarity where you want to go. Now question number two. I want you to think about the times when your desire for the gifts fades. Maybe you hear a podcast like this and you start really earnestly desiring the gifts of God and then two months later you've forgotten about it for two months. Think about it. What are the few things that especially dampen your desire? Maybe it's unbelief. You're pressing in, seeking God, but you don't see any fruit from your prayer, so you give up. Maybe it's distraction. You start to desire something else. Something that could be really good, but it pulls you away from desiring the higher gifts. Or maybe it's losing sight of one of these reasons. You forget that the spiritual gifts glorify God. You forget the benefit that the spiritual gifts brings to others. You forget about the intimacy that comes through the gifts. Go ahead and identify what are the few things that especially dampen your desire. And then by identifying those things, you can become more aware when they're starting to distract you from desiring the gifts. That's the second question. Third, which of the three reasons encourages you the most 
to deepen your desire for the gifts. I'll recap them again. Desire the gifts because they show that God is God. Desire the gifts because they grow others in godliness. Desire the gifts because they give you more of God. Out of those three reasons for desiring the gifts, which one pulled at your heart the most? Talk that out in the group and see how you can use godly reward to fuel your desire for the gifts. And then fourth, how can we begin to desire the gifts together now? So I'm going to get into this in in a couple of weeks in episode number 14, but I don't want you to wait. Go ahead and start praying together with Bibles open and ask God to pour out his spirit on you. Where we're going in a couple of weeks is that God is pleased when we draw near to him, believing that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's all for this week. We'll be back next Thursday. Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Full. If you'd like to receive the daily docs in your inbox every day, you can sign up at caradocs.com daily. Thanks to Charlie King for creating this music. And thanks to our Caradox partners on Patreon for supporting the work. If you want to learn about partnering with us to help followers of Jesus experience his fullness, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash live paradox and to you our listeners thank you this show exists to help you so thanks for your time for following along and for running with us on this journey to love jesus more and more we'll be back next thursday until then give your life to love jesus and experience his fullness because life to the fullest is life in christ